Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm in the Capital Club community, visit our website at www.excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello and welcome back to the Capital Club podcast. Today I'm here with Travis Coley. Travis, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me. Travis is the managing director at White Penny. Leaning on two decades of strategic planning and corporate finance experience, Travis helps advise clients through the lens of gaining strategic advantage, growth, capital investment, and brand as an asset. He partners with clients to define brand strategy and establish a differentiated market position. And what made me want to reach out to Travis initially was his work within the family office and family business landscape directly. Before we went live, we were talking about kind of some of the things you wanted to hit on. And the first one was this concept of this talent war that's going on. You know, what are you hearing and seeing from your clientele right now from that perspective? Yeah, what we're hearing is it's real. Um, so the reality is, you know, if you talk to economists, it's really hard to figure out. There's so many what they would say are known unknowns out there. Those are all the different variables that go into sort of predicting the economic landscape. Is it going to be a soft landing? Is it going to be a deep recession? You know, what's the recovery look like, you know, once interest rates find uh, their water level? You know, those are things that are really, economists are really struggling with. What they don't struggle with is predicting the professional workforce at any given time. And that's because you can simply look back 30 years, drag that forward and say, okay, here's the available pool of workers, both professional, skilled, and semi-skilled and unskilled workers that are available. And what we know right now is there's 11 million jobs for the 5 million job, uh, 5 million job seekers. That's a two-to-one imbalance. Um, and given birth rates in the U.S., we don't see that correcting anytime soon. Would a deep recession maybe help on, you know, on the edges there? For sure. But the reality is, for the first time in 30 to 40 years, really the, the talent pool is dictating in many ways to management and to founders and owners. So this war for talent, as we like to call it, is real. And it's, it's causing, especially uh, family-owned and multi-gen businesses, 
to um, sort of rethink their brand strategy. And more specifically, that brand strategy isn't just projecting outwards to your market, to your end users, partners, consumers. You have to work just as hard now and be just as effective at branding yourself internally to continue to retain your best talent. And at the same time, as you want to seek and attract new talent, leverage your brand to drive efficiencies in that way as well. Yeah, I mean, this whole concept of the family name or brand being an asset on the balance sheet that people need to to leverage and to focus on is something new, especially to the boomer generation who maybe wanted to have a little bit more of a lower profile, didn't think of themselves as a marketing or a branding company because they were in a different industry. But the reality is we're all kind of in the media business these days, right? 100%. I mean, we went from, you know, three, five, and 10 in terms of the uh, the channels we all used to watch to to cable, to an explosion of say like, you know, what we thought was a lot of 500 channels. The reality is now with the internet and mobile, YouTube, podcast right here, you know, there's an infinite number of channels out there on which we can communicate, impart, you know, consume information, transact. And that really is putting a ton of pressure on business and business owners to become content creators, right? You know, you're creating content right now via this podcast. And that's, it creates a lot of interesting efficiencies in terms of you can now go directly to people and you can figure out where people are and what they want to consume and how they want to consume it and on what channel. But the reality is the flip side of that is it puts a ton of pressure on business and business leaders to be content creators. And going back to the point of maybe the boomer generation or even you know, the current generation that's, that's really running many of these family-owned and multi-gen businesses, we constantly hear the you know, same thing you said. We don't want to be loud or we don't need to be loud. And you know, we really think that's just a, that's a misunderstanding, unfortunately, of what brand is. So brand is not marketing. Marketing is an activity you do to drive response and or you draw, you know, you're driving communications. Brand is really, as you said, it's this asset that sits on the balance sheet and can be used and leveraged to drive efficiencies across your business units or your business activities. And so families controlling their brand, defining it and using it to drive the outcome they seek versus letting the outside world define them or their brand is something, you know, we're working diligently with a number of families to, to understand that really, you know, Branding doesn't mean being loud. If you want to be quiet and exclusive, that's a brand you can build. If you want to be very utilitarian, that's a brand you can build. If you want to be you know, boutique powerhouse or best in class, whatever it is, those are brands you can build, foster, and communicate. Yeah, I mean, I think this whole idea that you just don't want to be the world's best kept secret is a concept that is hard for the boomer generation to get their arms around. But I, your point about the demographics is one that I really associate with. I'm a huge fan of diving into demographic numbers. And what I've seen playing out amongst my peer group is the boomers are actually retiring now. Even we've been talking about it for a long time. It's actually happening in real time. And there just aren't enough Gen X people to take those positions. It's not a big enough population. So they're pulling millennials into leadership positions sooner than what you know culturally we may have been accustomed to. Are you seeing that dynamic play out amongst your client base? hundred percent. So, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head. We have the biggest wealth transfer in you know, sort of our recorded history happening as we speak. And very interestingly, it's sort of hopping a generation, right? There are more you know, millennials that are stepping into leadership positions, especially at family-owned and multi-gen businesses. Um, and it, it, you know, it goes back to this, you know, this demographic trend, right? A lot of Gen Xs are in their fifties, 
you know, the, the oldest millennials are in their late thirties, early forties. And, you know, a family member that might be in their you know, early seventies is oftentimes passing business ownership or, or I should say even just leadership on to the millennial generation. And it's, that's also been accelerated by COVID without a question. We continue, and it's not something we came up with, but we continue to believe and see COVID as a massive accelerant, right? All these trends were happening pre-COVID. All it did was accelerate it. So that, you know, millennials and Gen Z sort of coming to the, you know, to the front of the line, ownership transitions happening, wealth transfer, it was all happening beforehand, but it's definitely been accelerated. Yeah. I mean, I can speak from personal experience. You know, I'm a millennial, barely. My father decided to retire earlier because of COVID. He just didn't want to deal with any of that nonsense any longer. And so he shut it down probably three to five years early. And then actually his law firm, small business, ended up not blowing up, but everyone went their separate ways because there weren't enough partners to take on the positions of people exiting. And so I think you're going to see these small and medium-sized businesses really struggle with this. Let's start basic. You, you mentioned the difference between branding and marketing, which I think is really interesting. What are just like best practices or conceptually, how can people think about branding if they do own and operate a family business? Yeah, I think often brand gets confused or conflated with logo, taglines, website. Those are all assets that you know can be leveraged to build a brand. But the reality is when you really get to the base level, what brand is, brand is experience. So it's the experience you deliver. It's the experience you deliver to your customers, partners, end users, clients. And that's why we say brand, you know, it's not what we say brand is an asset. Brand is an asset. It sits on the balance sheet. It's hidden inside goodwill. So on every balance sheet, you'll see goodwill. Uh, the most famous case of, you know, goodwill is Coca-Cola, one of the biggest brands in the world. And if you look at on the balance sheet of Coca-Cola, you'll see the brand is actually worth more as it relates to goodwill than all the other assets combined worldwide. So, you know, that speaks to the power of that asset, but it also makes it sort of, you know, the least invested in and often the most, you know, misunderstood is say, what is it? And the reality is, you know, it's the experience you drive. You and I were talking earlier about, you know, mobile phones and in particular Apple iPhone, 11, 12, $1,300. You know, the reality is an Android does, you know, most of the same functions and has all the same technology for, you know, a much lower price. And, you know, that Delta there, that's what we, you know, that's the brand difference. You know, why are we paying more? I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we're paying more for an iPhone, but the reality is you're paying for that brand and what that brand signals to the marketplace when you use it out in uh, out and about, and that's really that speaks to the to the power and the efficiency that Apple Apple can drive via its brand. Um, so you know, back to your earlier question, sum it up. I would say brands the experience you want to deliver, and sometimes you know that experience is exclusivity. Sometimes that experience is best in class, but other times it's hey, it might be always on. It might be you know, it might be very utility based. It might be a commodity. But, you know, the reality is the way you deliver that commodity is differentiated in some way or another. So um, what we really advise people in terms of best, class, best in class is to think strategically and how do you align your brand with the business strategy and the outcomes you're trying to drive? Um, so it's a little bit of different of a mindset. Marketing then are all the, and communications are the activities you pursue to help communicate your brand, your differentiation, those activities that you want to deliver out into the market. So we've all kind of heard this 
concept or the narrative of the death of traditional news media. Obviously, newspapers have been in decline, but increasingly amongst millennials and Gen Zs, just the way that I, they digest media and news and information is completely different. It is all going digital. If you're a family member or family business owner, it, it can seem overwhelming to get into this digital marketing space and into the game. What's just an initial step or where do you go first to learn about how to even take the first step? You know, again, going back to this concept of, you know, experience, you know, we're huge believers in in the web and in particular digital platforms. And so what we mean by that is today, it's not enough to have a website that's essentially a digital catalog. You now need to have a website that creates experiences for all your different constituents and allows them to go through a door, a digital door very efficiently that allows them to consume information or transact or interact in a way that is pleasing to them, drives efficiency for them, is in a mode that they prefer. And these are all things that digital specialists can help you understand about your clients. But the reality is that's a great place to start before you start leveraging things like social media, TikTok, and sort of whatever the, uh, you know, the digital flavor of the day is even, you know, we hear a lot about SEO and a lot of different technologies that can be leveraged. The reality is all those channels are going to drive somebody back somewhere. And it's typically your website or what we would call today a digital platform. And so it's really creating digital experiences for your end users, consumers, even your employees or prospective employees where they can go to find information, again, transact, consume is not what you think that they should know, but is really geared towards what they want to experience, if that makes sense. So it's kind of, you know, the old way was, hey, I have a business, I have a product or a service. I'm going to build, say, a website and I'm going to tell you what I think I want you to know. Uh, We've completely flipped that now and the consumer or end user or constituent is in charge. And we now have to understand how they like to journey, especially digitally, and then provide them with those pathways as well as those experiences that, you know, they demand in many ways. And going back to this idea of, you know, COVID being an accelerant, the reality is like we took multiple generations and made them digitally proficient very quickly because we had to interact, transact, and do things in a, in a digital way, you know, whether it's banking or grocery shopping, whatever it is, right? And so, yes, in many ways, we go, we're going back to normal life and we're doing things in brick and mortar the way, you know, maybe we used to, but the reality is there's pieces of all those experiences that remain digital today. And that's just, that's just life. And so, you know, kind of circling back to your initial question is we were big believers in, in the web and starting and really nailing down a 20, you know, what we would say is a 2025 experience. That's what you need to get to on the website for your clients and users and, and even your employees today. And it's interesting before we went live, we talked a little bit about this idea that especially in the boomer generation, the pushback will be that we are a relationship-based business. These are in-person, you know, deep relationships that we built over many, many years. And I actually get this pushback when I when I pitch people to come on the show within the family office, family business community. If they're older, many times they'll say, oh, I don't do podcasts. I'm only speaking to a very select community. <laughs> and I kind of want to say, what better way to get in front of them than to spend 40 minutes in their ear talking about whatever you want to talk about. But I just think that there's this generational cultural 
mindset that often can be a challenge. Have you experienced this yourself? Yeah, I mean, the reality is like we have different senses, right? So it's it's one thing to watch something on streaming or on TV or even on your phone. It's a whole nother thing to have a relationship with somebody literally in your ears. And it's very impactful, actually, to be able to uh, speak to somebody directly through their ears, whether they're able to you know, see an image or not. It's a different relationship. And I actually think it's a, in many ways, it's a deeper relationship or a more personal relationship to be able to reach people via pod and through their ears. And I, there's a lot of sort of other people who, who believe the same. Back to this idea of relationships, no question. I mean, hey, businesses, they're all relationship businesses, right? That's not changed. What's changed is, again, the modes through which we build relationships and the modes or channels on which different generations want to begin a relationship or expand or or deepen a relationship. And the reality is today, and what we're telling all of our clients and and partners is, there's no deeper relationship that your, your end users have than with their phone. I mean, there's average American three to four hours a day spent on their phone. So Yes, you're building a relationship, but you have to figure out how to build that relationship, leveraging that tool that's in their hands every single day for, you know, three to four hours a day. So what are your thoughts if you're getting started in this space or you want to kind of level up? Maybe you're a millennial who is stepping into a leadership position. You understand digital first is a priority for every business. How do you think about vetting a third party digital marketing consultant versus in-house versus a hybrid. How do you, how do you begin that conversation and that journey? Great question. You know, first things first, I, we always go back to strategy first, right? What's the outcome you're trying to drive and does the individual or the firm or the agency that you're talking to, do they understand that they speak strategically do they understand uh, business strategy, right? And can they then align a brand strategy and all the tactics with that strategy to help you drive? So, you know, it's sort of solution selling versus, you know, technology selling, right? A lot of people want to say, you know, this technology is the magic bullet. It'll solve your problems for you without really understanding either the problem you're trying to solve for or the outcome you're trying to drive. And so, you know, we're, we're huge believers that, Whomever your your partner or your digital partner is needs to understand the difference between branding and marketing, needs to understand the difference between strategy and tactics, and needs to really understand, you know, how you leverage these tools to drive different outcomes. Because it's not social media versus web versus SEO versus podcast. It's again understanding who are your end users. And oftentimes they're varied. And where where do they want to consume? How do they want to consume? And how do we build journeys, consumer journeys um, that they appreciate or value or love. And similarly, how do we deliver the experience once they get to, say, a web platform that is either pleasing, most efficient, best in class, what have you. So it's really, you know, it's being, I'd say it's vetting whoever, you know, the digital vendor is or digital partner is to, to really, you know, make sure they understand or are capable of understanding your business your business strategy and the outcomes you're trying to drive. Because ultimately branding is really about creating a differentiated position in the marketplace, right? And so to understand how to help you differentiate, I've got to be able to understand your business. Um, And if I can't begin to sort of peel back the layers of what is it that makes your business differentiated, scale, 80, you know, survive 80 to 100 years for the, you know, the multi-gen businesses 
it's hard to create a uh, differentiated position in you know, what is really a, a become a noisy and a crowded world, right? Want to learn more about investing in alternatives? Take the next step by joining the Capital Club, an affinity peer-to-peer network of industry professionals organized by Excelsior Capital. You'll gain access to exclusive alternative investment opportunities, premium content and education, private events, and more. Visit excelsiorgp.com slash Capital Club Podcast for more information and to sign up today. Well, and that's just where I was going to go. So if you are in the market for a third-party marketing agency, need a professional, or you're reevaluating your current relationship, you, you mentioned some of the questions to ask, but are there other questions that you really need to ask or diligence them? And then what are red flags that you would see or caution against moving forward with the relationship if, if somebody were to experience them? I mean, I think the biggest red flag, again, is somebody that is pitching a solution or a technology before um, they deep dive your business, right? Saying, hey, we've got the solution for you. It's, it's digital marketing. We're going to you know, leverage SEO. We're going to leverage keyword, paid search, but we're also going to do a ton of social media um, and we're going to drive a ton of top of funnel, which is you know, sort of lead generation back to you. And it's, you know, business is going to be great. All right. Well, what if you're the number one yacht sellers in the US and you can't build as many yachts as you can sell every year, right? You're not looking for a top of funnel strategy to drive more sales, but doesn't mean you don't need to consider the long-term impact of user journeys, especially digital user journeys in the yacht space, right? The, the yacht space was traditionally, it's a very physical, it's a physical product that is used and they're very large and they're often sold at boat shows and through dealerships, you know, but the reality is millennials and Gen Z are having an impact on even, you know, boomers and Gen X consumers and how they want to consume things. So it might not be about selling more. It may be about creating a new user journey or a consumer journey that allows somebody to explore building a boat or you know following a boat that's being built in real time and being able to make adjustments to it digitally that is you know differentiated from what anybody else is delivering say in the luxury yacht space which is just a different mindset right so hopefully hopefully I answered your question there yeah absolutely and this leads me to to the next topic I wanted to get into you know family businesses have a lot of inherent advantages in my opinion one of them is the idea that they have usually have great stories right behind the brand behind the company they might have older generations that can provide incredible narratives where have you seen family owned enterprises really leverage this successfully into the digital atmosphere so you know i couldn't agree more you know we're we're continuously fascinated by the origin stories of family owned business and you know we think they're they're great ways to control narrative and and build brand and so i couldn't agree more with with your statement you know there's the ability to really sort of leverage the past and pull it forward into the future and project it on the future in very powerful ways there's a great example here in the the philadelphia south jersey area of a international company holman enterprises they were seven sub business units that rolled up into one to one enterprise that's heading into its fourth generation. They had different brands across, you know, sort of 
different sub-business units um, that were operating very differently in the automotive space. So it's a big automotive conglomerate. And the reality is they had even made acquisitions of other family-owned businesses over the past 80, 90 years. And they felt, you know, they wanted to honor those families by continuing to keep their names or their brands alive. And that post-COVID, they actually just went through a two and a half year journey to rebrand the entire business, you know, 80, 90 years on under the Holman brand. And the reality is why they did that was they wanted to seek a unified experience and a unified brand across their entire enterprise. And so not only did they rebrand everything Holman because they watched you, they built, they felt that it had the most you know, equity or brand equity, but the reality is they wanted you to have, and they wanted to be able to build a unified experience no matter what you're doing. So for in Holman's case, whether you're buying a car at a dealership, they want you to have the Holman experience. Whether you're dealing with their fleet management business, which is really a B2B business, they want you to know you're having the, the Holman experience. And that also went, you know, to our conversation around digital. They had 96 disparate websites that were sort of serving information to their, their many different end users and partners and constituents. They rolled 96 disparate websites into one giant digital platform that allows you to walk into three different doors, you know, get the experience you need, consume the information, transact the way you want to now by taking the seven different business units and putting them into these three different experiences and doors. Driving, you know, what we believe is tremendous efficiency, one, but really, you know, really kind of on the forefront of thinking about consumer experience and trying to get ahead of, you know, how people want to communicate and consume. And it wasn't easy, you know, took two and a half years, even thinking about, you know, little tweaks like to their logo, how Holman shows up digitally. A lot of thought was put to that because the reality is how something shows up in print or on a billboard or on the side of a building is very different than how it shows up on the web or on a mobile device, whether it be an iPhone or other. And so, you know, they really, they really took the time and and we think they did an amazing job of thinking about what's a, what's a future forward experience and how do we take, you know, what is a very successful business that operates internationally and make sure it survives for the next 50 years or the next 100 years. Cause that's ultimately a lot of times what family business is about, right? They can make decisions that are very different than publicly traded or private equity backed, or even, you know, as you mentioned, they say like a law firm, a partnership, right? Family owned businesses, family controlled businesses can make decisions on their own timelines and to drive the impact or, you know, outcome that they seek, you know, and if you ever listen to the Holmans speak, they're very intentional. They have one plan and only one plan, and that's to make sure the business gets passed to the next generation of the next generation of the next generation. There's no exit. There's no going public. There's no liquidity event out there. It's, you know, it's to continue to propel the company and therefore the brand forward. And uh, we applaud the work that they've done in the, in the last two and a half years to, you know, really set themselves up for the next 50 years as it relates to their brand and, and the digital work they've done. And I would, I would point anybody in their direction that's family owned or multi-gen that wants to sort of see a, a best in class player. Yeah, I know we in our business have spent a lot of time iterating on the investor journey and the investor experience, right? From top of the funnel through to conversion, through to when they actually are an investor. And there, it is challenging and you don't realize how many steps along the way there are. But if you make it a smooth, experience-rich type journey, you will see really positive feedback because luckily most of the market gets it wrong. So if you just do some basic things, you can differentiate yourself. 
you wrote a good piece on this war on clung. I would love to have you expound on just what this means in reference to this investor experience or the customer experience, the customer journey within the family-owned business space. Yeah, I mean, think about why we use Amazon. Think about why you use PayPal. Even today, some of the, you know, the, you know, Uber, right? Or even, you know, many of the B2B technologies or apps we use, we use them because they work, right? They drive efficiency. They have a, you know, a user interface or a user experience that is, you know, either best in class and or, you know, in many times it just save us time and, and create efficiency for us, right? There's nothing more valuable you can do for your business is to save your end user or your partner's time or shrink time for them, right? So even think go to Netflix, right? Netflix literally is tracking you and your habits. And while there's a ton of different content you can watch, at the end of a show, it says, do you want to watch the next episode? Or if you don't want to watch the next episode, maybe we can suggest a few things for you, right? It's the algorithm is literally helping create efficiencies for you as you consume, consume content. And so when we wrote the article, The War on Clunk, we're, you know, we're really getting to is, you know, whatever experience you're creating, especially digital experience you're creating for your end users, make sure it is as efficient as possible. Make sure it's as pleasing of a user experience as you can create. And don't be afraid, you know, to invest, right? Again, it's not about, you know, what Travis wants or what White Penny wants. It's about what your end user or partner demands, right? And, and from an experience. So you're having a, a really good conversation with a CFO of a very large, it's a janitorial supplies company. And again, it went back to this idea of, hey, are salespeople out on, you know, out on the road in the different regions? It's re- it remains a relationship business. Our website doesn't get a ton of traffic, our e-com isn't a big part of the flywheel that makes our revenue go. I would, you know, our kind of comment back to them was twofold. Well, it's number one, it's because your, you know, your e-commerce experience is terrible. It's filled with clunk. Uh, there's way too many options and choices and information architecture hasn't been created to allow me to navigate it efficiently. And sort of there's kind of two issues here. Number one, there's that old axiom, consumer wants choice and choice is good. Uh, but the reality is uh, your consumer doesn't want choice. Actually, there's a well-documented issue called the paradox of choice. And that is when there's too much choice, oftentimes uh, consumers fail to make a choice or they will be dissatisfied or feel dissatisfied ultimately with the choice they make. And so, you know, we really say, hey, you got to flip it on its head. It's not about choice. The consumer doesn't want choice. The consumer wants confidence that they're making the right choice in you or they're making the right choice in your product or service or, or business. So creating efficient, smooth, time-saving or experience-elevating journeys, right? That get rid of clunk, which is, you know, just another word for unnecessary activity or hops or complication is really what we're talking about there. And it's actually a really, you know, for those who run foundations um, or philanthropies, it can be highly effective there too. Nothing worse than, you know, okay, I've landed somewhere. My intent is to donate or, or give money to somebody or something only to have to hop through 30 different hoops to ultimately transact, right? You know, we've got ways of making it one, two, three clicks now and making it super efficient. Even ways of, you know, saying, hey, why don't you just donate this amount of money so you don't even have to think deeply about, is it five? Is it 25? Is it 500? Is it a thousand, right? 
there are ways to create that experience and make it hyper-efficient. So, hey, not only did I get to give the money, say I wanted to give, but I did it in a way that was pleasing to me and efficient or effective for me. That's one of the, you know, a little bit of a tangent there, I apologize, but that's one of the places where we see, we'd see tremendous lift, even for those that are running philanthropies, foundations, is really streamlining that process and leveraging the technology in the same ways that, you know, digital retailers leverage PayPal and other, other systems to make it a more efficient or pleasing experience for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what's best practices in terms of how often to audit it or iterate on it? or, you know, go through an A-B testing type process? You know, what we would say is, you know, now the web is sort of like, back in the day, you could build a website, and maybe it had a three to six year shelf life or half life. The reality is we're building sites now and we're building platforms and experiences now that the minute we launch them, we're actually going back in and iterating on them in real time. Um, which is why we're sort of believers in, in, in custom approaches versus trying to pull stuff off the shelf and leverage templates, right? Because those templates are built to do, you know, very specific things and don't allow you to modify them, not only continuously, but don't allow you to modify them to based on sort of that, maybe that A-B testing or that user experience data feedback you're getting in real time to adjust the experience that you need to deliver. So we're, we're big believers now actually in continuously iterating and continuously modifying to deliver best in class experiences. Not everybody can do that, but you know the reality is it's sort of like a phone today, right? The, the technology that is that makes up digital technology that makes up e-com that makes up digital experiences is advancing so quickly that it's, it's very much like a phone. You, you know, max you're getting out of them is two years before you're going to have to do serious overhauls. And that's just, you know, sounds self-serving, I guess, for a brand strategy firm that does a lot of digital work, but it's just a reality today, right? I get a new phone every two years and that's just because that we have to. Yeah, absolutely. Things are moving quickly, but again, if you can take it seriously, I think your consumer, your clients will notice the difference and, and reward you for that. Well, Travis, I want to thank you for coming on. This has been terrific. It's a question that I ask folks that come on the show. Do you have a daily practice that helps bring peace to your chaotic world? Yeah, so it's uh, it's getting up and making sure I, I get a sweat on daily. So it's fortunate enough to be a, a college athlete, played four years at a collegiate sports and, you know, I guess it you know, was a habit then, but it, it remains a habit now. And I'm a, I'm a huge believer in doing whatever you're doing, whether it's three, four, five days a week. You know, If you can get the heart rate elevated and, and get your sweat uh, really going, you know, great stress reliever. You, know, you just feel better often every time after and allows me, you know, I, I think I always have my best days so often you know, when I get my best early morning workouts and it just kind of sets you up for a strong day. Yeah, I'm the same way. Love it. Well, Travis, like I said, your content that you've been writing across multiple services has been really good. If people are interested in engaging with you to learn more about the firm, uh, your work, or just you in general, what's the best way for them to connect? Yeah, and feel free to reach out via email, T as in Travis Coley, C-O-L-E-Y, at whitepenny.com. Happy to have a conversation. Awesome. Travis, I want to thank you for coming on, and I look forward to staying in touch. Hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Capital Club. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review. And stay tuned for our next episode coming soon.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.